Good morning, everyone. Am I on? Good. Good morning. <clears throat> Who is my neighbor? Thank you, Brian. Who is my neighbor? It's a question that's posed to Jesus that triggers a response in the form of one of the most important parables that Jesus would teach us. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan is one of those Christian parables that has transcended our community and our culture. People talk about it. People use that term. I think people understand that it's become part of our vernacular. I would bet that most people who use it and understand it don't know the whole parable and maybe don't even know the origins of that. But we use that story. It's fundamental to our faith. When I used to coach teams, my greatest fear was of things that the team understood, agreed upon, nodded at, but somehow overlooked. The guy who gave me my first coaching job used to say, any successful team, any successful organization comes down to three words, rock solid fundamentals. And he would tell the teams that we would coach, we need to make every routine play. If we make every routine play, the great plays will happen. The Good Samaritan is fundamental to our faith. It's a routine play. And in the interest of fundamentals, let's read. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. But a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of a robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do Likewise, if you would have said to me a year ago that I would be standing up here sharing with you, I might have laughed in your face. If you'd have said to me three years ago that I would even be part of a community like Park Church, I may have laughed in your face. This is a picture of my mother's four grandchildren taken about two years ago. 
If you'd have asked me nine years ago that these four kids would ever be in a picture together, I would have laughed in your face. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, when, 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 Jesus is, when the man asks Jesus a question, he replies with a story. So today I've got stories for you. I've got stories of family feuds, soccer games, and park church. But mostly, I have a story about neighbors. On March 19th, 2017, um, life was good. Uh, marriage is good, kids are good, health is good, career is good. We had been coming here to Park Church for about six months. We had found a home here and everything was good. Except one little thing. There was a hole in my heart. And that hole in my heart, for, for lack of a better word, was a war that had been raging in my family. And by the time I walked in here on that Sunday morning, it was a war that had gone cold. I have shared with you some things over the last few months here. Uh, the roots of that war can be found in some of the stories I have shared with you. But like any war, it starts with a disagreement. I see things one way, you see things another way, I think I'm right, you think you're right, and a disagreement happens. Now this war was between me and my brother. And families, when families fight, it tends to be sharper. There's things that hit nerves that you don't hit in normal conflicts. And when it comes to conflict and disagreement and arguments, my first instinct is not Gandhi-esque. I'm working on it. So when families fight, there's always triggers an argument. And then sometimes an argument can lead to an argument. And then another argument happens. And then there's an argument about what was said in the argument. And then I can't believe you brought that up. And then another argument happens. Then you're arguing about arguments on that happened about arguments and arguments and arguments and arguments. And you get so far away from the initial conflict. But whatever I thought was done wrong to me, um, I probably did 10 things in response to that that made matters worse. I don't have many cards to play up here. I am not a pastor. I am not a Bible scholar. I am not a preacher. I am not a theologian. But if there's a card that I can throw on the table, it's honesty. And I will tell you this. I did things during that war why I wouldn't want you to know about them. So when I walked in the door on March 19th, 2017 here, um, I had gotten used to the hole in my heart. I think everyone involved had gotten used to it. And I also felt very justified in my stance. But that morning, I came in, and Matt preached a sermon that day called Blessed Are the Merciful. To this day, I still carry the program from that day everywhere I go. 
And as he is preaching that day, every point he makes and every story he tells and everything he illustrates in that sermon, all I could think about was my brother. Then at the end of that sermon, Matt gave us, he just ruined my whole day. (laughs) He gave us a call to action at the end of that sermon, and here it was. When he said that, I was like, aggressive, right? I, was, I, I did not want to do that. But I accepted him as my pastor, and my pastor had just preached a sermon that opened up my heart, and he gave me my marching orders. So that day, I texted my brother, and I said, I'll hit the reset button, if you will. Just let let everything go. And that ended the war. It's not perfect. These things take time to heal. But it's better. But if I'm not sitting in the seat in the back there on March 19th, I don't want to think about the condition my heart would be in today had I not been here. And the only reason that I was in that seat on that day was because of a neighbor. I want to introduce you to him. That man at the top, his name is Coach Howard. He was my son's kindergarten soccer coach. He was his first coach. When we signed William up for soccer, Uh, My wife and I were very, very nervous about how it was going to go. Because about a year earlier, we had, uh, his teachers had reached out to us to express some concern about William's development. And at the top of their list of concerns was the way William reacted to situations. So if things got noisy or hairy or chaotic like kids do, William would have one of two reactions. He would either just completely shut down and be like sitting on the floor, or he would get very upset, like hysterical crying. And we knew this, like at birthday parties, when like everybody starts singing happy birthday, like William would lose it. To the point where when it was happy birthday time, we used to take him out of the party, let them sing happy birthday and bring him back in. So we knew this was an issue. And... Um, And they gave us some suggestions and some resources to go to to help William with this area of development. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, this is great. This is how education works now, right? We we want this. This is, they identify things early, get kids help, and this this is how it should work. So we took William to some classes, to some play therapies to get him some assistance, and it was going fine, and we didn't really think much of it. And then... After one of the classes, I was talking to one of his teachers, and she's saying, oh, William's such a nice boy, he's so lovely, he's so sweet. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she goes, but I think it's time that he should be evaluated. 
for what? She then said some words that would pierce a parent's heart. And it's hard to describe the feeling you have when somebody says there could be something wrong with your child. Now, she must have seen just the life force drain from my body. Because she started like comforting me. And she was like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, it's going to be fine. You're going to find people like every step of the way, they're going to help you through, they're going to help you through. As I look back on it, what she was really saying was, there will be neighbors. She was right. When we signed William up for soccer, we were, didn't know how it was going to go. So the first couple practices, we had to like bribe him with Star Wars figures and stuff to get him to go to a practice. And I don't know if you've seen kindergarten athletics. So, I mean, if you, if you go to a practice and there's 20 kids there, I mean, 10 of them are rolling around, around the ground crying anyway, and they're picking their nose and wiping it on each other. And then there's kids running around. There's like two kids that are actually doing something that kind of appears like soccer. So I didn't gauge much from the practices, but when the first game came, um, I was curious to see how William was going to respond. So if you've seen kindergarten soccer, here's how it goes. Um, the coach puts everybody in their positions, puts the ball in the middle, blows the whistle, and then what happens? It's like a five-year-old Nirvana concert breaks out. Like it's, like, it's like complete chaos, right? So I'm watching as this unfolds, and then I watch, I watch William walk over to the, the corner of the field, and he just does this thing where he used to like squat. He's just sitting there. Now I'm over on the other side of the field, and I'm, I'm watching this. And, and my heart is just like going. Now my instinct as a father is to go get my son. But every teacher and every counselor that we, that we spoke to said, you can't do that. Because if you do that, He's always going to be looking for mommy and daddy. He's never going to figure this out on his own. And he needs to be able to take advice and help and instruction from other adults. You can't go get them. So here I am, stuck in this position. I needed a neighbor. What Coach Howard would do next would change my son's life and heal the hole in my heart. He starts talking to my son. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm back over here, and if I was like, if my heart was beating before, now it's like one of those like cartoons. Remember like when the heart was like coming out? And I'm just like, what is he saying to him? Does he know how to, like, what is he, is he giving a rah-rah speech, is he? And the other parents are trying to talk to me, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. You know, I'm watching my son. <laughs> and what he did next, he grabs my son by the hand and he pulls him into the game. And if the ball went that way, he ran that way. And if the ball went this way, he ran William this way. And then he'd kind of let William go a little bit and William run around, and then he'd come back and grab the coach's hand, and he'd run around, he did that for a few weeks. And my son, after a few weeks, I don't know if he ever played soccer, but he was running around the field. <laughs> I want to show you the video I took with my camera of Coach Harold, Coach Howard right there. He's in the trench coat, my son William. And he pulled him around the field. Put 
I don't want to think about what would have happened had he not done that. Had he not pulled my son onto that field and got him in the game, um, I'd imagine we would have pulled William out of soccer. Because we're not going you know, to keep him in something that's going to make maybe what he's dealing with worse. And by the way, he's fine. He grew out of it. All good. Um, I don't want to think about my life had my son not played soccer the next year. Not some crazy sports guy. Had my son played soccer next year, had not played soccer next year, I would not have been in that seat. Because the following year, um, he played on the team again. And this time they would play a game like on the weekend and then have like a practice during the week. And I would go to the practices. And at this practice, there was another dad that was there. That was the only other dad, me and him. I, like, if I could describe this guy, like a young Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, but a young Brad Pitt with a ridiculous snow hat game. Like, he would wear all these cool snow hats in different colors and different teams. And they looked cool on him. Like, it looked totally cool on him. That man's right over there in the snow hat. <laughs> Did not plan that today, I swear. Drew Hegner, my friend. And we got to talking. We got to be friendly. You know, dad talk, soccer game, practice, dad talk. And then one day, there was a game. And uh, maybe Drew was talking to another dad, maybe about like where the wall is from here. And as that dad walked away, Drew said something to the effect of, um, hey, I'm on communion tomorrow or something like that. Now, that caught my attention because we were kind of looking for a church to go to. Uh, we got distracted with all this stuff and hurricanes and all kinds of stuff. We thought our kids were going to go to Catholic school. That didn't work out. Um, and I had... Honestly, like, I had looked around for churches. I looked at Park Church. I did. I looked at the website, the old website. And, and you didn't look like a church to me. <laughs> a church to me is a red brick building, stained glass windows, suffering souls, a systemic culture <laughs> of guilt and shame. And you had none of that. None of the things I wanted in a church. So I thought you people were weird. Now that I'm here a few years, I have some confirmation of that. Um, so the next time I, I saw Drew at the next game, I said, hey, I heard you mention to that dude. By the way, the dude was Pastor Matt that he was talking to. Um, and I said, hey, I heard you mention church. I'm like, what church do you go to? He's like, oh, we go to Park Church. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that. So I was like, so like, what do you do? He's like, just show up. And I was like, well, like, what do you wear? He's like, whatever you want. He's like, what do you bring? He's like, nothing. I'm like, man, they, all these people are weird. And so I parked the first time. I parked as far as I possibly could. And I walked. I don't know why I did this, but I walked like where the far cars are parked. I walked in front of the cars, like, like by the trees. And I walked around. I looked in because like, I'm, I'm like, where are the snakes, right? Like there's going to, you know, like I'm just, so I looked in. I didn't see any snakes. I said, all right, let's go. So I walked in. And the first person I spoke to at Park Church. I walked my son over to Park Kids, and I spoke to Miss Becca. Now, on that day, there was, not, um, there was not a program for William on that day. But she said to me, there's going to be one next week. Come back next week. 
great advice. If you are visiting us for the first time today, we would love for you to fill out a Connect card and you can drop it in any giving boxes or bring it to the welcome room. Um, but if you don't fill out a Connect card and you don't drop it in the box, you don't come to the welcome room, my advice to you would be come back next week. If you've been coming here for 10 years, my advice to you would be come back next week. Because I came back week after week after week after week. You don't know when you're going to hear the 33 seconds that will change something in your life. So as I read this, you know, like the Samaritan is, is kind of like Tom Cruise in this story, right? Like he takes, he dominates, he's the hero of the story. But for me, when Jesus comes back, I want to go, what happened to the dude? The dude. You know, the dude that, that got helped. What happened to the dude that got helped? Because I, I want to know, like, how did his life change? What, what happened after that? Because the reason why I'm so curious about that is because I know the ripple effect of a good neighbor. I know what can happen when somebody helps you. I know what can happen when somebody reaches out and helps you when you need it the most. When Coach Howard went down to my son, um, he did a few things. Well, he could have very easily walked over to my son and just went like this, Dad, Come on out. And that would have been fine. That would have been totally fine. I mean, he's got a team to run. There's a whole bunch of other kids. There's one, like, that would have been totally fine. He could have just passed by. But he didn't. What he did, he saw my son. He felt for him. He stopped. And he got him in the game and he took care of him. Now, I am fairly certain that he didn't kneel down to my son and say, look kid, uh, I gotta get you back in this soccer game because if you don't get in this soccer game, you're gonna quit soccer. If you quit soccer, your dad is not gonna meet Drew Hegner next year and if he doesn't meet Drew Hegner, he's not going to come to Park Church. If he doesn't come to Park Church, um, he's not going to be in the seat on March 19, 2017 to hear the 33 seconds from his pastor. It's going to change his life. Let's get in the game, kid. Come on, let's go. <laughs> if he did say that, like, he should do the 1045, right? Like, he should come up here and do that. As the band comes up, I want to close with a few thoughts. I don't know that we'll ever know the ripple effect of a good neighbor. I don't know if we'll ever understand the small things that we do that will help people. I don't think we'll ever have full circle completion, maybe like we have in this story. And by the way, Coach Howard does not know the whole second half of this. He's going to hear it on video. Um, but he doesn't know. But the Good Samaritan is 
a fundamental of our faith, the parable. What Jesus teaches in that is fundamental to our faith. It is a routine play. And like my first, the guy who gave my first coaching job said, if we do all the routine plays, the great plays are going to happen. So I've got one call to action for you today as we land, and that's be Coach Howard. Let's pray. Father, your love for us is indescribable. It is immeasurable. But your instructions to us are so very clear and are so very simple. Please give us focus to not dismiss the power of those instructions because of their simplicity. Please help us to find the people who are in our travels that need a neighbor and for us to do like Coach Howard did and to do our part. We pray this in your name. Amen.